Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the Emotional Support Center for Stamp Sales, this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 242. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, this is Tom. This is Cash. This is Scott. This is Mark. Today's episode is inspired by a conversation that Cash and I had during lunch yesterday. We were discussing why people don't sell their stamps. Well, it's because they're not done collecting yet. Do you have stamps? Lots of them. Then put them on letters and mail them. That's a good idea. (laughs) Who needs to make money? Free postage. As an example, I have several sheets of postage dues that I got to grade because they look really nice. They have been sitting for, I don't know, three years plus. (laughs) And I should be selling them, but I'm not. Well, postage dues aren't valid for postage. True. Well, then Scott's point is moot. But I'm sure you have other stamps as well. I have bought box lots. I have bought sheets for their centering. I I have I have a stamp collection and I have been using parts of it to build reference collection. But part of that hope was that I would actually be able to turn some of it around and be able to get my money back out of the lot. Well, by I, selling some stuff that I got. Well, I know why but you I haven't just, done that, because you don't have any time to look at it and decide what... Because I have two small children at home? Yes. Oh, it's worse than that. The normal person has like 24 hours a day. Tom, he only gets like 14. He loses fully 10 hours a day. I do. Well, that's because he has a wife, two kids, and a job. No, it's because of the cause... <laughs> that he knows of. He has like a black hole that <laughs> sucks the... Uh, Time out of his life. Oh, I, think I don't hang out with you that much. <laughs> well, collectors can build their collection by selling duplicates. Collections can be built by buying other collections and culling out the items you want and selling the remainder. Motivation is a problem, though. Is there a key to getting stuff sold? How can we all buy more stamps by selling off our excess? Well, Tom, you brought up like the number one. I'm going to say that reason number 12 is I don't have enough time to do it. There are 27 total reasons for not selling stamps. And and, you've counted them. And I've counted them, yeah. I've categorized them. And they're not in order by importance. They're just in order by uh, the first letter of each description. But uh, lacking time is a tough one to overcome. The hitch is... That you're doing stamps, you're collecting stamps, but you don't have time to do stamps and collect stamps. I think we we touched on a topic yesterday, and, and this may come down to it to some people, is looking at stamps every day is my job. Yep. And I love what I do. I really like 
the science and I like the artwork and I like the history and I like everything about what I do. But at the end of the day, it's my job. And it's hard to go home and, you know, pick up kids from school, help them with homework, help work on dinner, do dishes. You know, by the time I'm, I'm, I'm done with everything at the end of my day, I'm toasted. And to me, it gets to a point where when I s- want to sit down and go through stamps, it's like I'm going back to work. Yeah. Because it's, it's not specifically my hobby. Yes, except that you have, it's a trade-off. It's definitely a trade-off. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, but even if you didn't have a job looking at stamps, it'd be the same situation. Yeah, you'd have no, a job no, with construction. I, I, I would disagree because... But I don't collect nails. Because... <laughs> That's yeah, true. Yeah. Nails are boring. The, it's, it's the same kind of thing as what he does for a living. Right. So it's harder for him to mentally separate the two. Now, I understand what he means because I go home and I look at stamps, whether they're my own or somebody else's, um, because I take work home sometimes. But um, a good example would be Tuesday night. Um, I had a stamp club on Wednesday morning that I went to, and I ended up selling about $30 worth of stamps. But Tuesday night, I decided, okay, I've been looking at that box in my office for the last two years, I'm going to open it up and see what's in there and if I can sell anything. And so I spent three hours going through a box, carting stuff and putting stuff up and setting it aside to take to the stamp club to sell. Now, not everything sold, but enough of it sold that, you know, the things that I ended up buying at the at the club were paid for with some left over from what I sold. So for me, it was a good trade-off. I came home with a couple bucks in my pocket and I came home with a, a stack of covers that I was interested, that I found interesting. So, um, but now I have, and of course yesterday, I then turned around and went through the stuff I bought because one thing I have learned is that when you buy something, you go through it you and the stuff you're not going to keep, immediately put it in, a pile to sell again. And how is that working for you? It's actually starting to work out. Yeah. Um, After how many years? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, 30. <laughs> yeah. uh, that, so, that must be a big pile by now. Well, actually, it's a small box because I've only recently started doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so you have 30 uh, years of stuff to go through to make your two piles. <laughs> right. Right. But now when I buy stuff... I have a banker's box that sits there and I go through the stuff after I, you know, unless I'm buying individual lots, obviously individual lots, I'm basically buying it because I want to keep that lot. But when I, when I buy a collection or a stock sheet or something like that, I go through it and anything I'm not going to keep gets figured for cat and then goes in the box. And it doesn't matter. Uh, you know, if, if I catted it with a five-year-old cat catalog or, you know, a, a current catalog, it doesn't matter. When I look at that item, that catalog is based on when I bought it. So, well, it's more than that, too, is if you're selling $30 worth of stuff, and I'm guessing you didn't sell one stamp for $30. You probably sold 30 stamps for $1 each. Uh, no, I probably yeah. I probably sold five or six 
items. Yeah, the uh, the date on the catalog probably has no relevance to what very we're going little on anyway. because the catalog values generally don't change significantly, especially down at the bottom uh, end. Yes, I mean if I was selling a thousand dollar item, yeah, the catalog value could change a few hundred dollars in the course of a couple of years. Yeah, but you know when you're selling a a, a ten dollar item, it's not going to change hardly at all. More than likely. Unless it's really cheap stuff where it went from like uh, five cents to 35 cents is the minimum. Well, you know, there's there's also <laughs> a lot of things in the catalog that uh, the catalog value really has no bearing whatsoever, bearing yeah. whatsoever on what it should bring. Um, if, if you try and find, just go on eBay and look for modern used stamps. And try and find some of these twenty stamp sheets where you get one of each. Oh, it's impossible. I mean, yeah. I mean, the catalog lists them all for twenty five cents. Yes. Yeah. So you're, you know, twenty stamps, twenty five cents a stamp. Yeah, you can multiply that by anywhere from five to twenty five uh, to see what people are asking for it because it just takes a lot of effort to get those stamps now. Oh, huge amount of effort, as a matter of fact. So the catalog value really has no bearing on something that, that, that they list like that. Except that it would be odd to have the stamp catalog more used than mint, which it should. It should. It should. But that'll come with time rather than, you know, today. Uh, you can sell some of the high-value express mail stamps for half to three quarters of face value used to be used. able to sell them for used to be sell them for uh, a minimum of full face yeah yeah um, but now now half to three quarters of full face yeah absolutely it's amazing yeah how rare used stamps are getting very scarce well one one of the things I did with the express mail stamps is um, <sighs> when they started coming out with those the self-adhesive ones, I I would get the incoming express mail packages, and any time I saw one where it was a solo usage, I would make sure to cut it out large enough to so that you could tell that it was on an express mail cover. Yeah, and with a nice clear uh, date stamp on it. And so, my used express mail, you know, yeah, I could use the orange oil and take them off, but then I lose. Yeah, the, the actual valid usage properly used on an nope. express mail. I cover. absolutely agree with that. Absolutely. So, but yeah, no, it, it's absolutely a uh, mental thing to get over to yep. try and start selling stuff. Because it, when you go into collecting, that you want to collect, you want everything, and you want to keep stuff. And you know, you see something that's you buy something at a percentage of catalog, and you say, ooh. You know, the perception of value in your brain is different from its actual value. I'm getting a good deal. I'm paying 70% of catalog for it. Yeah, and the dealer who's selling it to you is making money because he had to buy it at less than that. <laughs> yeah. Which doesn't go into your brain. Yeah. You, the, the catalog value is what goes into your brain. And so you're thinking, well, I can, t I can sell this for 80% of catalog value and make a profit. Oh, well, I know. Reality is, no, you can't. I know several people who collect catalog value. They will buy inexpensive, or they will buy incredibly expensive stamps in terrible condition. But they're buying, you know, they're they have a literally million dollar collection. 
Oh, absolutely. I met that I, maybe is worth, you know, I, I went to a, I went <laughs> to a bucks. stamp show once and, uh, this collector dealer had taken a table and he was selling his collection and, uh, he was very upfront with, I'm selling my collection. I'm taking a table because a lot of the stuff I have is very expensive material. I bought it cheaply with faults. I'm selling it cheaply with faults, but it's stuff that you may never see outside of an auction and you probably won't find at a reasonable price. And his prices were reasonable based on the condition. And, uh, but that was a very practical way to get rid of his stuff. Yeah. There's a fellow who is doing that. And I don't know if you're speaking about the same fellow, uh, at the Arcadia stamp show. And he is an actual collector who bought a table to sell his collection and he's doing fairly well and he's getting a good price. And he, one of the big benefits of selling at a show versus selling on eBay is you can sell bigger items, uh, large collections, the whole book. You don't have to worry about shipping and stuff. Yes. So stuff is sold very easily at a stamp show Whereas just showing the pictures of a book, you know, if you have a collection, it it's daunting. I mean, I'm sure you went through it, Mark, didn't mm -hmm. you? Yeah, as far as showing the pictures of the stamps? Show, it's trying to sell a book. Uh, you mean an album of stamps? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's very difficult because, you know, you're limited to the amount of space that you can that you can have to show, you know, what's in it. Yeah. I mean, you can try to describe it, but, you know, it's it's difficult. Yeah, people don't want to, people want to see the collection. They don't want to uh, read about it. Right. Yeah. Which is also reason number 17. Hmm. But it's very time consuming to sell your duplicates on eBay. That, yeah. yeah. And eBay has to take a profit too. So, right. So they do take a bite out and, um, you know, just as far as I'm concerned, I, I don't like selling items unless they're properly described. Uh, meaning if there's a fault, you have to describe it. And in my world, faults significantly reduce the value. And therefore, a lot of, a lot of material then becomes unsaleable because you can't sell it as individual items. And the hardest thing for me is to sell a book or an album or a collection with stamps in it. I like to sell individual items or sets. Well, that's the thing is most stamps have faults. A vast, mm. probably 75% of stamps not. have small things that reduce the value. Uh, that would <clears throat> might be true for maybe 19th century stamps. But well, when yeah, you, get into the 20th, you get into the 20th century, and I would say the vast majority of material does not have faults. Oh, yeah. But then again, it also does not have huge value either. Yeah. Finding a faulty three-cent commemorative is tough because people threw them away. <laughs> well, I do but, that. Yeah. I mean, I I'll go through a collection and I will look at all the three all the three cent, four cent, five. I'll look at all the commemoratives, and if I find a faulty stamp, I'll just pull it out. Right. I will not. I will not leave it in the album for somebody else to find and collect, because something like that is so inexpensive that it it just it should be thrown away. Yeah. There's no reason to have. A faulty five-cent stamp. No. Not at all. 
Not even for a placeholder. Not even for, I wouldn't even do it for a placeholder. I mean, I, I would go to a stamp no. show and I would say stamps, yeah. stamps that are readily available at a, uh, at a small cost. Uh, I would encourage anybody that's collecting to be uh, particularly picky about centering uh, because you can. There's generally uh, a lot of, since there's a lot of it available, if it's off-center, don't buy just anything to fill a space. Make sure it looks nice. Yeah, you can... Um, there's no hurry. You can wait for the better stamp. Right. And, you know, if, if it de- all, of, all a dealer has is kind of ones that are eh, a little bit off-center. and nor- No. Uh, you know, there may not be another dealer at the show that has it, but wait six months. That dealer will have replenished his stock. Somebody else have bought, bought it out, or he'll have dumped it in an auction or something, gotten rid of it, and he'll get more, and he'll have nicer stuff to look at. So... So, Mark, how do you motivate yourself to sell stuff? Well, um, my problem is that uh, when I started collecting, I was buying collections and I wanted to get rid of the uh, stuff that I didn't want. And so um, I found out that it was really time-consuming to sell on eBay. And so I just decided, I'll just do that. Mm -hmm. And so I sell all my duplicates and it's a full-time job. Yeah. So I have no other job. Lucky you. Yeah. Well, except, you work except here. looking at yeah, I do look at stamps, at, but un, but unlike Tom, I, I I love stamps. Tom hates stamps. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> I don't hate stamps. The gum tastes good. <laughs> well, for me, I have. Uh, well, for basic, you, it's a business. Well, yeah, but I also have a collection. I I have a, I've I, my stamp collection has a podcast. <laughs> relics of history give it a plug here i'll put it i'll put in a commercial at the end but my issue is i am never like motivated to sell the cheap stuff because it's kind of too hard to lot and so i loved when las vegas here had a stamp show because i could take the stuff there and sell it and then uh the stamp show wasn't well attended and it sort of wrapped up i want to get that started again but well, here's what I have eBay started has a doing. shipping issue. Um, you know, most people think of you go to an auction, you buy banker boxes. Well, Michaels has these little photo memory boxes, and every and they charge five or six, seven dollars a piece for them. Well, if you wait and they go on sale, like they did on the week of Thanksgiving, you can get them for two bucks a piece for these boxes. And they're sized so that um, you can put small lots of inexpensive stamps. You can put covers, things like that. I mean, a banker's box, if you filled it with stamps and covers, you would cause damage. And It's heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> you fill these smaller boxes. You could probably fit six or eight of these boxes in a banker's box. Oh, okay. And so... Uh, it allows you to put more in there and obviously you can put higher value stuff in there so that the box isn't cheap, but at the same time, it's not too heavy and overwhelming for somebody to buy. Yeah. And you take it to a stamp show and you could put 50 bucks or a hundred bucks, depending on what the value is that's in the box. 
It's a, bo- and, it's a box of stamps instead of a box of Kilaware. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, well, that's what we're doing with the Charleston stuff. Yeah. One, one of the things I do is I have one, excuse me, I have one of those sitting on my desk. And, uh, when I go through a collection and I find a set where maybe one stamp has a fault, well, instead of looking for that stamp and making a sound set and, I'll just pull the whole set and stick it in a glassine or on a, on a card, write the catalog on it, throw it in the box. And then take it to the stamp club. Then I have an idea of what the value is when I go to sell the box. I just flip through it and say, oh, there's probably $1,000 cat in there. And so I'll, you know, I'll put maybe 100 bucks on the box. Cool. That's a good way of doing it. And and that way, it's not too overwhelming either for me to sell or for somebody else to buy. I have not been to a stamp club that didn't have a majority of the presentation be, you know, people selling their stuff at the tables. Uh, I think that that's one of the greatest things about going to the little stamp clubs is you can buy stamps. And it's, you know, you're never going to have... It's not like you go there and a person, you look and, you know, you, you pick which $5 mint Colombian you want. You know, that stuff doesn't show up. But if you want the cheaper stuff, it's there. And it's a good way to trade money. And, you know, 30 bucks, getting rid of $30 worth of stuff you don't want and using it to buy 30 bucks worth of stuff you do want, that's what stamp collecting is all about. And that's what stamp clubs are all about, in my, <laughs> in my opinion, because that's that's generally what happens. Because all the stamp clubs I've ever belonged to, they all have an auction at just about every meeting. Yeah. Uh, well, not at least once a month, and so um, you take stuff there and get rid of stuff you don't want, and you maybe you spot stuff you do want. Well, the whole thing is, is whatever the market is, you're selling and buying in the same market. Well, that is true. So if you're selling stuff for half of what it's worth, you're buying stuff for half of what it's worth. It's even. <laughs> yeah. Un- unless there's nobody competing with you, in which case you might get an even better deal. Oh, yeah. And hopefully there's three people that want your stuff and nobody else wants the stuff that you want. So, <laughs> I mean. I don't know if that's a good thing. Nobody wants the stuff that you want. <laughs> well, that, that just means nobody there wants the stuff that you want. <laughs> Because then you just go to a different stamp show, uh, club. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're selling cats on stamps and buying badgers on stamps. Yeah, but if you know some guy, <laughs> if you know there's two guys over this other club that want badgers on stamps, you're going to make out. Oh, there you go. Arbitrage. Ba- badger stamp arbitrage. Right. There you go. So have we motivated you to look at your postage to do stamps? Yeah. <laughs> All my stamps. I'm gonna I'm gonna start first of the year because Christmas has taken over my dining room area, which is where the girls' desks are and yeah, stuff like that. Join the club. Yep. Yeah, eBay makes it easy with their mobile app. You just point your phone at the stamp and take a picture of it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, of course. Then you have to describe it, and you need to describe the faults. Well, but then you get into this whole thing that we've discussed about eBay is that. If you're selling single stamps or sets, you want scans, not pictures. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Unless so, you can take a picture. I mean, it's one thing if it's a book. It's hard to take a scan of a book. Right. But uh, if it's a single, if it's a stamp on a card, you want a scan. Yeah. So uh, 
the listeners out there, if you have a lot of stuff, you think about it, maybe look at your local stamp show, see how much a table is. Tables aren't necessarily expensive. The uh, problem is, is that you have to stay there for the entire time. So, you know, you book a table, they're going to have you there from 10 o'clock till three o'clock. And, you know, you have to factor in that time spent. Well, the, but the nice thing is if you take a table, you can get in early which means you can throw your stuff up there and then go shop at somebody else's booth before uh, everybody true. else gets there. Oh, <laughs> and I have seen many times where the person sits out their stuff and the dealer next to him says, hey, uh, how much you went for everything on your table? <laughs> and, and boom, everything sold. I've done that several times. Yeah, that, that occurs, but more often it's just one or two or you know half a dozen items they want, not, the, yeah. not necessarily the whole thing. But still, that's a great way to kick off a show is to sell half your stuff before the show even opens. Yep. And then the second one is obviously eBay and Hipstamp. We've beat those to so, death. Mm -hmm. I knew a dealer who, uh, he was he was not a traditional dealer. He would buy a large collection, mostly from European auctions. I'm, I'm, I mean, we're talking, if this collection didn't have at least 20 or 25 volumes in it, it wasn't for him. And what he would do is he would take it home, he would break it down, he might pull out a few individual items, he might, he'd break it up by country, things like that, and then he'd price it, uh, he'd, he'd cat it all, and then he'd go to the show, and he'd only take enough, he'd take as much material as, as he thought he could sell at the show, and his goal was to sell out before the end of the show. That was his goal. And if he met his goal... He was done. He closed his table and left. Yeah. But that was his goal. Once his material was gone, it was gone. And he would do that. And probably two out of three shows he did, he would actually sell his material uh, somewhere in the one. He would be done by one or two o'clock in the afternoon. And there might still be two or three hours left in the show. That's how we used to. But that my, was his goal. My goal was always to sell out by noon. And I would bring boxes of stuff and there would be people picking, but you would have the people who knew the stuff. And so I would have a banker's box full of stuff and I would price it at a hundred dollars and I would put enough stuff into it where everybody always knew that it was worth a hundred bucks. So people would pick out of the box and you know, how much is this? And I'd price it and whatever. And then somebody else would walk up and go, how much is the box? And they, I'd go a hundred bucks and they go, you know, I'll give you 75. It's like done. And I would sell out probably half the time before noon. And generally it would be to the dealers. I would sell to the dealers. Well, the other thing is once you've done it a few times, they kind of know to come and look early. Yeah. And so that also kind of helps. Oh yeah. Yeah, they knew I was there short term. So stamp shows, stamp clubs, like you spoke to. Um, eBay. Craigslist, I'm not so much on Craigslist. I actually have a friend who looks at uh, Facebook Marketplace. Oh, yes. And uh, he occasionally buys things off of Facebook Marketplace. I know several people who have done well on Facebook. And I know a couple of people who have said this is a waste of time because the people never follow through. Well, I, I, I find that it's mostly a waste as a buyer. It's mostly a waste of time because most of the stuff that gets listed up there is just some kid's collection, crappy things. But every once in a while, something nice will go up. Uh, you'll get great grandpa's collection. Yeah. 
and uh, it'll be a chance to make a real good find. But uh, like I said, it's just like anything else, you got to slog through the crap to find the gold nugget. Yep. So um, don't give up. Yep. You know, and if you have stuff, go ahead and put it up because somebody will find your gold nugget. Hmm. Uh, or give up. We're not going to tell you what to do. Yeah. yeah. But I've if never seen Facebook Marketplace. But, uh, you know, if, really? if, if you no. want to be a collector no, no. and not an accumulator, you got to sell the stuff that you don't need. Well, the whole thing is, is that everybody is on a budget. There's nothing wrong with being an accumulator. Until you, uh, until you accumulate so much that you're a hoarder? Yeah. Once yes. you, cro- you cross the line into hoarding, then I think you might have an issue. Yeah, uh, but even then you get on a TV show. That's true. And then you get more money for stamps. No, in my opinion, like uh, Tom said in the beginning, you can improve your collection by selling the stuff that you don't need and using that money to buy the stuff you do need. You haven't changed the money in your pocket. All you've done is change the stamps in your collection. Or or you can be like Lloyd, sell the stuff you don't want and buy a car. Yeah, Lloyd Lloyd walked out, but uh, he he does very, very well on eBay. Yeah. He does very well on eBay. He finds those bargains and then... What you were just saying a minute ago, though, that's what I used to do when we were trading pins for Disney pins. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is my collection. Oh, so that's not the stuff you're trading? No, I'm trading this because... Well, it bought you an entertainment system at one point, I think. Yes. <laughs> that was that was one of Chris's particular collections, but um no, it's like it's like yes, this is my collection, but if there's something that somebody wants and they have something that I want more than the pin that they want, to me I'm upgrading my collection even if I'm losing a piece of it. Oh, absolutely. You know, either, you know, rarity-wise, value-wise. This isn't Sophie's Choice where, you know, somebody walks up and says, hey, you have the opportunity to get rid of one of your kids. Which one do you want to get rid of? <laughs> you know, this is one where that you literally are trading one kid for another kid. And that's like so- Sophie's Choice uh, number two, the Sophie's Years. Wasn't that the follow-up or something? Hmm. You trade a kid for a horse? Could yeah. be, yeah. Horses are expensive to maintain, though. So are kids. Yes. <laughs> Actually, kids are more so. They just become self-sufficient, hopefully, at some point. Yes, horses, you constantly have to pick up the poop. <laughs> hmm. Or hire somebody to do so. That's what the kid's for. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that obviously about wraps up our discussion for today. <laughs> You've been listening to Stamp Show here today, episode number 242. This was Tom. This was Scott. This was Cash. This was Mark. You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. 
Thanks for listening. And as always, keep collecting. Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.